Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Hey everyone, Justin here. Before we start today's episode, I have a bit of confession. I made a mistake. I had the wrong settings on the microphone for this episode, and so I don't actually have the nice microphone for what you're about to listen to. I hope that's not too distracting. Please do give me some grace. Hopefully this is the only time this season that we actually end up making this mistake. But that being said, still want to share today's episode because it's a good conversation and one that I think is worth focusing on. So without any further ado, here we go. Welcome back to The Move. We're vibing through the book 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and in today's episode, we're talking about that one time in the Bible where seven skinny cows become cannibals. If you're wondering what we're looking at, Genesis chapter 41, verses 1 through 36, my guest today is Pastor Harold. Pastor Harold, I feel like out of all the stories that you and I have gotten to talk about, let's say in the last half or half dozen or so episodes that you and I have uh, co-hosted together, Seven Cannibalistic Cows is actually one of the easier and more vanilla stories of the Bible. I feel like every single story that you and I have covered has been like R-rated if it were to be visually portrayed. And, you know, this is maybe, you know, you don't want to take a kid to a movie where seven cows eat seven other cows. Maybe that's not the best look. But this is, at least there's no, like, sexual yeah. deviancy in this specific no. episode. So no. that's 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 good news. Um, but, uh, yeah, how, how did this verse hit you, given the general trajectory of everything we've talked about up to this point? You and me, definitely, it was like, so... This is, uh, okay, so there's no nudity, there's no weirdness, there's no, um, yeah, no, there's no onanism, nothing. No, this is a very, yeah, this is just a very, um, yeah, it was, it was a very vanilla text, like you said, but still meaningful and beautiful. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, even though it wasn't scandalous, um, it is still, it still has a scandal of grace. Hey, uh, hey, <laughs> hey. no, it's a good text. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's a good story. It's one of the part, um, and it was interesting revisiting it, just seeing how, um, how this is sort of Joseph's story coming to full circle now. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the narrative of Joseph is going to be full circle, full circle, full circle, you know, 
Um, the circle is com- the circle is complete, Obi Wan. So in this case, <laughs> um, I know. In this case, uh, what? So I'll ask you a question. What got Joseph into the pit in the first place? What got Joseph into the pit? Perhaps so many the options. Kind of like arrogant way he carried the promise of God is what I would say. Yes, there's, yeah, there's that. There's a little arrogance, but um, I'm going to go with uh, dreams. Uh, oh, you know, okay. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Dr- dreams are kind of what got him into, like, yeah, he carried the promise of God, but he got these dreams and then he shared them. Yes, probably with a with a little, you know, too much naivete, innocence, arrogance, whatever you want to call it, right? And so, and I was listening to uh, to the to the episode, to the past episode of Jonathan where he, comments on this commentary that calls Joseph the dream master, right? Mm, Which is yeah. what what they, ironically, his brothers are calling him when he shows up to the pit, yada, yada, yada. So what has gotten him into this dilemma is dreams. So from the dreams, he gets into the pit, then he goes into jail. And you left a story where, you know, uh, the cupbearer leaves and it literally says, and he forgot about Joseph, right? And it's like, if you have never read the story, and if you're just following the narrative of this man, you're like, dude, will this guy ever catch a break? Right. Like, right? Like, this poor guy. Like, listen, he's, yeah, I think he's he's learned his lessons, but will he ever catch a break? And then, boom, narrative comes into play. And what is happening? Dreams. Right? Mm-hmm. It's interesting the way the, the narrative jumps past the first couple of words, which mine are two full years later. And you got the whole SpongeBob thing that happens. And, and like, yes, I hear what you're yes. saying. Like, he gets forgotten. And then now, here's this great moment where he's not forgotten. But for Joseph, it's it's been two, two years. years. Like, yeah. That, that, that sucks. But mm-hmm. you're right. He's he's into this moment. It's his, his moment to shine. Uh, Pharaoh finally has this dilemma of what do these dreams mean? And this mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. finally mm-hmm. clicks in his mind. He's like, oh, yeah, there's a guy that I know who mm-hmm. should be able to do this. And I love the way that, that uh, Joseph kind of responds to this idea. Like, Pharaoh's like, hey. So from what I hear, you're the guy. Like you're the guy right. who's got the wisdom. You're the guy who can interpret these dreams. Like you're the guy who's going to solve my problem. And Joseph is like, "Nah, that's not me. Right? I, I actually, I can't. But it is God who could. And right. I think that that's so cool. Just the like, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe this is a reflection of all the movies that I've seen about the life of Joseph. But it seems mm-hmm. like if the original dreams were carried in a certain level of arrogance or confidence, mm-hmm. let's say mm. that was off putting Joseph mm-hmm. now carries this with still confidence, mm-hmm. but with humility now. Yeah. Yeah. And something to note that, um, there's a, there are commentary, there's a commentary that mentions how in, uh, in certain rabbinic uh, interpretations that the cupbearer is doing this out of a certain like obligation, but he's not necessarily like, Oh yeah, this guy, he's like, Ugh, yeah, this guy, because he doesn't. Yeah, and it's interesting that you know if that's the case or not. It's a rabbinical interpretation, but interesting that when you read the text, that it says that um, there is no recommendation of the cupbearer saying you should bring him. It's just the cupbearer is sharing. He's saying, "Hey, oh, there was this guy in prison that like told me his dreams, like told me my dreams. That's it, right? There's no like you should bring him." Um, and also, if you notice again, dreams being how the wheel of Fortune has now turned in Joseph's favor, right? So now dreams got him into a pit and now dreams are going to get him out of jail because the dreams of the Pharaoh, which are super weird, 
are going to be interpreted. And he is going to be confident to say, no, not me, but God, which is already establishing a polemic that you and I are going to follow throughout the rest of the story of the Old Testament. Because this is, for Adventists, this is a very easy one, right? For Seventh-day Adventists, the, the, the community of faith that you and I belong to, where have you seen this play out also? You've seen it play out in Daniel. Daniel shows up. It's immediately shows up, right? Daniel shows up and he is called and beckoned, right, by the king because his magicians can't interpret a dream. And so interestingly enough here, the Pharaoh is trying to get this thing solved and whatever interpretation they're giving him doesn't make sense in his mind. Whereas in Nebuchadnezzar's case, he's like, tell me the dream and its interpretation. And they're all like, we can't do it. And then Nebuchadnezzar is going to kill everybody. Like, definitely different guys, right? <laughs> You've also seen this play out. You will see it play out later in the story. Of like, well, later in the story, just a few chapters later, books later, but like 400 years later, um, with Moses, Aaron, and Pharaoh's magicians. This, this polemic between God and deities, between what God's servants can do and what the king's magicians can't. It, it, this polemic is already being established. You already are going to follow it also in Balaam when he tries to trick and curse the people of his. Yep. And he can't. Yes. Like every time there's this polemic between God and the other deities or God and the king's magicians, and they cannot reproduce what God is doing. So, and it's very specific as to how the servants of God show up and say, this is not an us. Like, we're not the ones giving you the interpretation, but there is a God in heaven who knows the mysteries, who reveals the mysteries. There's a God in heaven who can interpret the dream, and he will tell me what this dream means, and I will share it with you. So what got him into problems now is going to get him out of problems. So his dream was one thing, and now, you know, it gets him out into um, into the open at least. Hmm. It's it's interesting because in in some of those stories that you just mentioned, like with Elijah, it very much feels like it's a showdown. It's a it, it's a war that's taking place with with Moses versus Pharaoh. It's very much of like here's the bad person, here's the good person, and God mm. is like yeah, yeah, yeah. side and they're fighting. In this story, I don't quite mm-hmm. get that sense. In fact, the way mm. that it seems like Joseph is describing what's taking place, Joseph maybe this is just humility maybe this is graciousness or maybe he's actually giving an insight to kind of how god is interacting with egypt at this moment because he's like god is revealing things to you Mm -hmm. and and it got me to think of amos chapter three where it talks about how surely the Mm -hmm. lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants the prophets and Mm -hmm. yes obviously there's a a a key function that joseph is playing in interpreting these things Mm -hmm. but joseph is 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 uh, is positioning pharaoh as someone who's having direct access to Yahweh, which which makes sense because, you know, we saw this with the, the, the previous Pharaoh earlier in, you know, the story with Abraham. We see this mm-hmm. in other stories mm-hmm. where God is like actually communicating with these uh, non-Christian, obviously, and non-Jewish <laughs> individuals. Like they're, yeah. they're just, yeah. God is relating to them. And it seems like right. Joseph is positioning Pharaoh on the side of God in this moment. Right. And the same thing, incidentally, in, in a... In Moses, Aaron, and Pharaoh, or Balaam and uh, Israel, you're right. There is a, there's a, there's a, a fighting element, right? Um, but in the case of Daniel, which is the immediate place where you go, again, right. it's Daniel who tells Nebuchadnezzar, "Hey, 
God is showing you what the future holds. It has yeah. never been like God is against you. It's always like God is showing you what the future holds. God is revealing to you what the future mm-hmm. holds. So and, in and, this and case, this passage, go ahead. Yeah, it's yeah, the same so, thing. Sorry, yeah. This passage doesn't have like a conclusion yet. And maybe we'll see that in future chapters. But mm-hmm. minimally, if there's the parallel, we get to see how Nebuchadnezzar responds to all this. And that, you know, in the end, there's a certain level oh, yeah. of mm-hmm. faith or confidence that we can have that Nebuchadnezzar kind of, closes the, the story of his life having faith in, in, in Yahweh. And, and maybe mm-hmm. this is one way that Pharaoh responds in kind because he's putting trust, you'll see in the next episode, putting trust in Joseph and actually responding right. favorably to the revelation that God gives him. Yeah, I I would agree with you 100% on that also, is that, you know, uh, you, you which, which oddly enough um, kind of sets up how, that's the other thing that the, that the text kind of pulled out and that I, mm-hmm. that I followed from the narrative is how clothing is also an element of the full circle in, in confidence. Oh, so, yeah. so he gets his clothing, again, is an element that gets him into the pit. Like the man, oh, this kid, he, sh- <laughs> he shows up wearing the tunic that got him into this problem, right, which gets torn and sends him to jail. Right. It sends him to, to slavery in Egypt. Then while he's a slave in Egypt, Potiphar's wife takes what from Joseph? Takes, takes his tunic away. tunic away. So he goes to jail. Yeah. And now trouble. when he right, gets him in trouble. And now when he gets out of jail, he is clothed once again to be in the presence of the Pharaoh. And then, spoiler alert, he's going to get clothed again. He's going to be given something again to be in the status that he is going to have later on in the story. So it's almost like this entire narrative is just focusing on, once again, clothing, which we could like easily do the low hanging fruit of clothing you in the righteousness of Jesus. But (laughs) why would we do that? Right. Um, Because that's not necessarily what the narrative is talking about, but it's just showing this interesting full circle once again of clothing, of dressing, Mm -hmm. of like what it is. So you're right. He is now going to be placed in a position of power. You'll talk about that in the next uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, yes. Uh, what happens? Because uh, ultimately he is uh, giving Pharaoh advice. He's interpreting the dream. And in the interpretation of the dream, he gives advice. It's almost, again, with humility. You read that in the narrative. It's not like he's yeah. like, oh, I, I got a solution for you. He's like, you know, if I could share a solution with you, your majesty, uh, you should have, you should store up the abundance and keep it. And I yeah. think what's interesting is the way that he gives the advice in, in 33. He's like, hey, Pharaoh, you should find, and this is mm-hmm. the NLT, an intelligent and wise man and put him in mm-hmm. charge. He's yeah. not like, okay, here, you can trust me, right? Pharaoh, like, you, you realize that I just gave you this interpretation and yeah, yeah, right. you got it. Like, he doesn't vouch for himself. Like, there's almost maybe even an implicit, like, he's assuming that after he does this interaction, he's just going to go back. Yeah. Back to the pit. Yeah. Back to the, back to the prison. Right. That's mm-hmm. so interesting. Right. But he's, how he does it, he doesn't, he doesn't strategize. He doesn't navigate to position himself in positions of influence. Mm, come on now. Hello. Like, I think about Abimelech uh, in previous stories, how he's like, oh, yo, yo, hey, I see that God's with you. Let's make mm-hmm. a treaty. Let's make a deal. Like, let's be allies. So that way, you know, <laughs> we're, we're going to be okay. Like, he, like, we see the... Or Laban. Of, Same, or Laban. Laban. Or was mm-hmm. both, yeah. And so it's just... It's just so interesting how he's there's almost like a a resignation 
over this this chapter in the sense that like Joseph doesn't seem to be stressed out about his lot in life. Yeah, he was oh. in prison. He's just you know, resigned mm. to the fact that God's with me, mm-hmm. God's prospering me, even if I'm in prison. Like it's mm-hmm. cool, it's okay. I wonder if the word uh, I don't know if the word resignation comes into into my mind, but more like the word confidence. He's like sure. he's, he's confident. He's trusting that oh you know something is going to pan out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is definitely man. I love how you're bringing up the word strategery because we've heard that a lot used in the move this season. Strategery, strategizing because we've been seeing it from his great granddaddy, from his granddaddy. From his other granddaddy. We've seen it from his own daddy. And everybody in his life, this man's life, has been like forerunners of strategery. Let's do this in order to get that. Let's do go here so we can get that. Let's not say this so that we don't get that. And here Joseph is like, hey, I can't do it, but there's a God who can. Let me give you the interpretation. You should store up stuff so when the, when the, when the skinny years come, you'll have enough to feed your people. And you should find somebody to actually run that project for you instead of you doing it. Find somebody. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's it, you know. Um, thank you for your time. And, uh, you know, good luck. So I'll be. <laughs> if you need tr- me, I'll be in, in, yeah, in, in I'll, prison number yeah. I was like, I'll, seven, I'll show myself yeah, out. Yeah. Is, is that okay with you? I'll, I'll just show myself out. And then, and then well, I, we can't talk about that because, you know, uh, we'll, we'll ruin somebody's uh, show tomorrow. But it's going to change. It's like, exactly. And if you're following the narrative again, if you, you've never read the story before and you're reading it for the first time, you're like, huh, this guy, he's actually smart. He's actually intelligent. He's actually giving not just the interpretation, but the advice of, of God to Pharaoh, which kind of talks about how God will sometimes perhaps even like another low-hanging fruit exceed what you ask for. You know, because mm-hmm. Pharaoh wasn't asking for advice. He just needed a dream's interpretation. Mm-hmm. And here's Joseph saying, oh, God is telling you this. And let me add to that this other thing that is super useful to you right now. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and I love that. Yeah. So, so this isn't a question we've asked a lot this season. Or at least mm-hmm. not in these words. We've asked it a lot, but just not in this explicit words. But what do you, in, in this story, what do you feel like this story reveals to us about God? Hmm. About this, Jesus? this is something that I'm, I'm trying to, or sure, yes, about Jesus, about about Yahweh, about whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that I'm trying to do more and more as I'm reading through the text. I'm trying to resist the impulse to be like, if I was Joseph, or <laughs> since I'm Joseph now, like I, I'm right, resisting right, that right. impulse, right? Because right. the Bible's not about me. This is it ain't about you, on, man. On the episode that actually aired this morning, it was funny because someone actually uh, commented on, on the YouTube comments, which I read every one of your comments, guys. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Saying that, oh, I remember watching that Matt Chandler clip. It was awesome, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I'm trying to, to, to build that into my practice of reading scriptures. Yeah. Okay, stop, stop trying to be David. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to be Joseph, right? Mm-hmm. And just what does the text reveal to me about God? I think that God, once again, it, it shows God's, um, and yet we've seen this before. I think Jonathan or Kessia Rain, I can't remember who's talked about how Joseph is going to be a type of Christ mm-hmm. um, in some previous episodes. So go back and check that out. Um, but first of all, how Joseph's is going to be a type of Christ, I think we're going to see later on in the story, like in the specificity of the of the reconciliation of, of the siblings. 
relationship that is torn. Like, I mean, talk about a broken relationship, dude. Seriously. So right? is slavery. It's kind of a big deal. <laughs> you, you did what? You know, and and the the opportunity that I get for vengeance, but we're not going to go into that right now. Um, I think that here it is showing once again how God, um, how God operates and moves within history and within anything that happens. Um, because yeah, that it you could you could easily take the theme of Joseph and take it into the tagline: "What you intended for evil, God turned into good," right? Yeah. Because just like we saw the full circle take around and for dreams that God gave him, got him out of, this is once again God operating within what got him into trouble and saying, I'm going to work through this. I'm going to work by this. I'm going to work in this because that's the type of God that I am. It's also an, it's, it's a very uh, open God that is uh, willing to talk to Pharaoh, to talk to anybody. Yeah. That is, and that's a paradigm that sometimes um, it's not just, it's not just, it's not just a Christian or I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll speak to the specificity of our community of faith, Seventh-day Adventism, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Seventh-day Adventism, sometimes we have this propensity of living a life, assuming that God only talks to us, yeah. right? And that God doesn't talk to anybody else. And that, in fact, we are the ones that are tasked to, by the way we live our lives, by our diet, our dress, or whatever external codes of conduct that we should observe that are good, um, that we will be able to reveal God to these pagan people who don't know better. And it Mm -hmm. turns out that as you look at the scriptures, it seems that God hasn't placed all his eggs in the Seventh-day Adventist basket. like. Okay, it's like, it's not that God is limited only through us. Thank God that the rocks mm-hmm. can cry out, all right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the rocks can cry out, my man. Like, listen, if you think that you are, like, you're the only vessel of communication that I have to a world that needs to hear about me, yeah, get that out of your head real quick. Um, and the other thing that I see here of God, like right off the top of my head, is how um, he... He and I said it before is that how he moves in history and how even when you and I, you you might not see he's still working you know mm. um, he's still yeah. he's still operating like in those two years of silence between the interpretation of the cupbearer and the and the and the panadero oh man uh, 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 baker <laughs> sorry um, the the cupbearer and the baker there's two years that go by. You, if you could put yourself in in that time frame and wonder, man, what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Like, w- what's going on? And resisting the temptation of like, oh, you might be in a season of waiting right now, you know. <laughs> um, but it is. It's two years. You don't know what happens two years. And sometimes you might be wondering, uh, Joseph was. You, I, I would love to know if when I see Joseph. I'd like to know, like, what was going through your head over those two years? If you paid attention to the animated film, he was planting a tree. Ah, yes. You know better than I. Yeah. That's a banger. That's such a good song. (laughs) So he composed a song in the two years that he was waiting. There you go. There you go. go. Time well spent. Time well spent. So I think that that is definitely what we see God doing here is God's just... um, God's overall, uh, what you would call it, his 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 working in history through history 
and through all the, I think that's called God's um, uh, transcendence. If I'm not mistaken, it's a nice theological term. I could be wrong. So if, if, if I get it wrong, I'm sorry. But it's just God's. Yeah, take my MDiv degree, degree away. You know, I'll be, I'll be defrocked. But it's the transcendence of God that works through history and that works through the events of history. Um, that I sometimes, you know, sometimes we get the temptation of saying, oh, you know, destiny and predestination. God's just working through those events and he's doing what he's going to do, which is at this point, as we've seen in the move, I'm going to save humanity and I'm going to do it through a family that yes is messed up but i am going to do it why because i am faithful that's it and you get to see how it you, you we get to see how it plays out 